Welcome to Many Windows, Conversations on Ministry. I'm your podcast host, Julie Taylor, Senior Director of Contextual Ministry at Meadville Lombard Theological School in Chicago. I have the good fortune to speak with the Reverend Melissa Carvel Zemer, Director of Ministries for Collegial Care for the Unitarian Universalist Ministers Association. Our topic today is the UU Ministerial Formation Network, or MFN for short. The MFN is an innovative program supporting aspirants and candidates pursuing Unitarian Universalist ministry. It's a great program, and I'm going to let Melissa go into the details. All right, Melissa, I am so excited to have this conversation. Uh, it's great to have you, and uh, as one of the one of the earliest guests of this podcast, to be able to talk about the Ministerial Formation Network. So, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm really happy to be here. Me too. So let's hear about it. Let's hear the Ministerial Formation Network, also sometimes known by acronyms, since we love those, the MFN, which is not a radio station. It is the Ministerial Formation Network. Yes, the Ministerial Formation Network, or MFN, is a collaborative endeavor between the Unitarian Universalist Association and the Unitarian Universalist Ministers Association. It's only about six years old. It was preceded by various pilot efforts that helped inform this this program, which is a formation support program for people preparing for Unitarian Universalist ministry. Mm -hmm. The the program is administered by the UUMA, the Unitarian Universalist Ministers Association, and it is largely financially supported by various entities within the world of Unitarian Universalism, in particular, the Panel on Theological Education and the St. Lawrence Foundation. Great. Okay. Yeah. So we're really happy to have them as partners and to appreciate their their funding efforts of this endeavor. Well, and that also shows what you start, started by saying, this is a collaborative effort. This really is a collaborative mm-hmm. effort. A lot a lot of pieces go into uh, having this, this amazing resource and opportunity for folks as they're, they're really dealing with becoming transformed uh, into Unitarian Universalist ministers. That's right. And when we first started, we, you know, there was a lot to figure out and we weren't sure if those who attended Unitarian Universalist identity schools, such as Meadville Lombard Theological School or Star King from the ministry would find as much value in this program as those who attend non-Unitarian Universalist theological schools. But we have found that, that, in fact, the the value that people receive may be different, but it is significant for people both at UU theological schools and those who are not. It's also valuable for people who are connected. That was another thing we weren't mm-hmm. sure about because some people have been Unitarian Universalists their whole lives and are very well connected to right. our associations yeah. and to the people and organizations within our association. And because of what the program offers, there's really value for everybody information. So there are three main things that we offer. Mm-hmm. Formation support, collegiality, and supplemental education. Great. So I want to break down what those three things are, because it might not be obvious to everybody what we mean by those things. Please, so by yeah. formation, <laughs> Yeah. So by formation support, we mean customized support for each individual's formation journey. That means it's not the same for any two individuals. Mm -hmm. 
So when people come into the program, we ask them if they would like to get their formation support from an individual. That would be from a vocational advisor or in a group setting. And that would be from a discernment group um, leader. And that would be the, the group generally has between six and nine people in it. Both and these are peers. Provide- these are peers. They're that peers. group is peers, right? Exactly. Okay. That's right. Both of these are really valuable ways of getting support for formation. What I like to tell people is that I think it's really helpful to do both because people can be in the ministerial formation network from the time that they achieve aspirant status all the way up until the time that they get preliminary fellowship. So that's generally a minimum of three years. And for some people, it's long. And so I really encourage people to try both Mm -hmm. having an individual vocational advisor and being a part of a discernment group. Everybody's circumstances vary, but in general, I think that discernment groups are especially valuable for people who are early in their formation because it gives them an opportunity to connect with other people who are in a similar journey and it just surfaces a whole world of things that they might want to consider in their own formation, which might not be on their radar screen. Makes sense. So when you're hearing, you're new in your formation, you're hearing about someone else's formation journey, you might think, oh my gosh, I never even thought about that. I want to mm-hmm. learn more about that and explore that. That might be relevant to me. So that's really powerful. I think that just widens the scope of what formation is and helps people, I think, prepare for their own journey a bit better to understand what's involved in the journey of ministerial formation by encountering other people who are on that same journey. That's cool. I think groups are also really helpful for people who don't have a lot of connections within Unitarian Universalism because it gives them a chance to build relationships with others who are preparing for ministry and with an experienced minister. And that kind of relational connection is just invaluable for understanding um, the culture, the institutions, the processes of Unitarian Universalism. And it's really beginning your network. It's beginning your network because, I mean, I, I've been a I, I've been a UU minister for many years now. Those networks are so important. This is not. Uh, this is not a lone wolf uh, ministry, <laughs> right? This is not uh, denominationally, polity-wise, theologically, that's not who we are. So this really begins that that networking piece to colleague to colleague, which can also help with the transition from layperson to colleague and minister. All of those pieces are really important as we, um, you know, th- those bonds and those connections, like you said, maybe with somebody at your school, maybe because, you know, you're, you're, you're going to meet folks from all over the place that are going through this process. So that's that's a really great thing. This the, the group process is a fantastic innovation with this. Yeah. And, you know, I would say that folks may not realize just how important those collegial networks are. There's research that comes out of the Flourishing and Ministry Project, which is a longitudinal study about what makes it possible for a person to flourish in ministry. And they, you know, you can you can look up their top findings. One of the top findings is collegial relationships. And so um, they, and they break that down. They talk about the importance of peer relationships, near peer relationships and mentoring relationships. And there's a lot more I could say about that, but to suffice it to say for now that the number of people who, sustain themselves in ministry for the long term is or the people who make it in ministry for the long term are those who have strong collegial relationships so 
it's never too early to start building those networks. And, and, and I think this is one of the things that the Ministerial Formation Network can really help people with, especially those who are isolated, because more than half of the people preparing for ministry are not at Unitarian Universalist theological schools. And maybe, maybe one of only one or two or three other UU students at their theological school setting. So it's really valuable for that, for that purpose. Yeah. Great. Another, another thing that I like to tell people about the group process is that I think that they're especially valuable for people who have identities that are marginalized in Unitarian Universalism in the world and would like to connect with other people who share those identities. So we have a group for people with disabilities. We have a group for people who are Black, Indigenous, people of color, a trans and non-binary group, a group for people with working class heritage, a group of people who are aiming toward community ministry and being in a formation group with others who share either an identity or a heritage or an aspiration in ministry is is really valuable for deepening an understanding about what the um, particularities of formation with those identities, experience, or trajectories may be, which might not be exactly the same as dominant culture identities. So I think that the, the group experience in that regard is also particularly valuable for people. And another example of how this is not one size fits all. Joining the MFN is not going to be a cookie cutter of everything. There are all of these, all of these different vari variations and nuances are, are available, and, and that's really important. Exactly. And so that sort of leads me to talking about the individual vocational advisor, because that's a place where I think people really can um, focus in on the unique, um, what makes their own formation unique to them and what kind of support that, that maybe need to be customized for them. And so I encourage people to start in a group if they can. And then when they know more about their formation, they know more about themselves and know more about their gifts and their challenges, that's a great time to shift to an individual vocational advisor and to go deeper and to get more sort of targeted support for where you're at in your mm -hmm. formation process, your own needs in a way that might be harder to do when you're sharing space with a group. Sure. The individual vocational advisor is also really helpful for people who have incredibly complex schedules and are never going to be able to find a common time with a group. So it's not exclusive. You don't have to start with a group and move to a vocational advisor, but I do recommend it if it's possible. Makes sense. Yeah. So that's the formation support. And we do provide some resources and orientation and equipping for the people who are in these roles, the vocational advisor role and the discernment group leader role. But the people who are getting that support really get to say what they need. They drive the agenda. And so they get to say, like, this is what I'm working on. And it is different from the relationship that a person in formation has with an academic advisor or with an internship supervisor or even with a home congregation minister. Because in the context of these relationships, which are confidential and which are um, solely for the purpose of the person who is seeking the formation support, there's no, there's no evaluation, there's no assessment of any kind, there's no agenda, there's no even hopes and dreams for you because what it's about is the person who is supporting you, helping you discover what your own hopes and dreams are, helping you live into your call to ministry and to get the um, 
to, to get the support that you need, no matter what it is. So you can tell things that you're scared about. You can talk about how your family life is intersecting with your ministerial formation. Mm -hmm. You can talk about your failures and challenges and know that it's confidential non-judgmental and non-evaluative yeah that's great and it's important to have 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 you know so, sometimes people in our family kind of wind up playing that role but that's a different that's a different role for our families you know than knowing that you're not going to be evaluated when you've got this concern or you've got this worry or you've got this exciting thing or you're really not sure about how this works to have a place to be able to work that out that really is separate there's no grading there's no yeah there's no paper coming at the end of this nothing like that uh, that that's really valuable to know that 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 place is there. Yes, and no reporting to the ministerial fellowship committee. So you, a person doesn't have to worry that something that they share with their vocational advisor is going to come back to them later in in their interview with the ministerial fellowship committee. There's a really strong boundary around that relationship. So that's the first thing is formation support. The second thing is collegiality, and we've already talked a little bit about how important that is and how that is made available. Another piece of it is the retreats that we offer. Pre-pandemic times, we did six of them a year, and I'm hoping we'll get back to that. These retreats are a wonderful opportunity to have an immersive experience with an even wider network of colleagues, both peers who are in the process of formation themselves, but also a range of ministers. And my goal in my role is to make sure that we are bringing in ministers from all locations within Unitarian Universalism so people can really get a chance through the retreats to get to know ministers in all kinds of contexts, settings, different calls to ministry, different ages, different tenures of experience, geographic locations, identities. It's, I think, one of the one of the great things about the retreats is that people get a chance to really broaden their networks in intensive, structured, and um, supported ways. So at the retreats, what we've learned is that their best, the time in retreat is best spent on the kind of stuff that you can't do easily in a webinar. So we, we tend to keep the, the educational stuff, the content-driven stuff for webinars, and we focus the retreats on worship and relationship building on um, forming connections, on discernment, those kinds of things. That's great. Yeah. So, and the the great thing about the about the uh, partnership we have is that they're a hundred percent free. So people don't pay anything. Like we pay wow. for the travel, we pay for the lodging, we pay for the food, we can pay for childcare, and um, we can pay for people to take one of these per year. That's remarkable. That's remarkable. And that's really something I participated as one of the ministers at one of these a couple of years ago, uh, pre pandemic. <laughs> and it really was it really is it was a powerful experience to be there to be part of the, the community. Um, and f the fact that that these are it's free to the yeah, it, it's free to the participants. There is there it is being funded through these through this partnership is really uh, an amazing example of the commitment for ministry that the denomination has for growing, uh, connected and well well rooted uh, and well networked uh, and well gifted ministers. That's really fantastic. Yeah, and we have one coming up as we speak that um, it, it will probably be too late to join in by the time this airs, but we have another one coming up in June, right before ministry days. It will be 
a multi-platform event so people can join from wherever they are in the world. And there will also be an in-person component in Portland, Oregon, where ministry days and general assembly will be held. And what I like to make plain to people is that it's not somehow cheating to aim for going to that retreat prior to ministry days and utilize the fact that we pay for the travel and the first couple of nights lodging to make it more possible to stay for ministry days and general assembly oh, yeah. if financial concerns are on people's radar screens, which it is for a lot of people. And yeah. if they can, if they can know that they don't have to pay for their flight, they can apply for a scholarship to yeah. ministry days. They can try to volunteer at GA and it helps really reduce the costs. Absolutely. I mean, a round trip flights, a round fl trip flight, you know, regardless of when the, you started or when you ended, that's, that's a really important uh, uh, thing to, to pay attention to. And that tends to be, you, you tend to have a retreat right around that time for the last couple of years. Yes. That's a pattern. Now, yeah, once we're moving out of pandemic, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And we try, we try to make that um, a priority because we know it's so difficult to get to those associational events and they're really valuable to get to. So hopefully attending that retreat is a way that makes it more possible. That's great. Just uh, to, to piggyback a little bit on that is, uh, do you also do some work within the, some of the regional meetings and gatherings? Does the MFN uh, do connect, connect, that way as well? Or is that more potentially where you could meet other folks from the MFN? Maybe you've been online with them and that's the first time you can meet them in person potentially. Uh, is there a connection that way? We have done a variety of things. Uh, and I think we're in a place of sort of rebuilding post-pandemic. The one that's happening in April is we're encouraging people to make regional pods and then attend the virtual retreat with a regional pod. So we are experimenting more and more with that kind of direction. Nice. All right. So yeah. uh, what other pieces, what other pieces about the um, uh, basics kind of ministerial formation network basics do we need to know? And I will, we will be having more conversations. I'm already got some percolating in my head from this conversation. What other places we can go deeper on some of these? What else about the MFN is important right now? So there's the third thing. The first thing was formation support. The second thing is collegiality. The third thing is supplemental education. And this one is really helpful to unpack because um, people are already immersed in education and might feel like the last thing I need is another webinar. And yet, again, from research funded by the Lilly Foundation, we know that people who graduate from seminary with a Master of Divinity degree tend to feel more equipped for some areas of ministry than others across the board, doesn't matter what seminary they attended. So we try to focus our supplemental education, our learning opportunities on areas that we know tend not to be as robustly covered in theological schools. So we've had webinars on um, com conflict management. We've had webinars on networking and how you do it. We've had webinars on financial management on staff supervision, on how to write a business plan if you're looking for to start an entrepreneurial ministry, those kinds of practical things. In addition, we try to make sure we have learning opportunities that will help those who are not as familiar with the ways and norms and culture and traditions of Unitarian Universalism get to understand them. So we always have every year a webinar in which people can learn about the Ministerial Fellowship Committee, meet some of the people on the Ministerial Fellowship Committee, understand their processes, ask them questions. We have a webinar every year, at least one from the church staff finance office. 
and to understand about issues related to finances while in seminary and in preparation yep. for ministry, but also get an idea of what comes after that and some Good. of the things that people might have to think about in their own financial planning. We also, we just had a webinar on um, planning for ordinations and installations for those who are toward the end of their process. So we try to have those kinds of opportunities. And then we also have learning opportunities that are related to sort of timely events. So um, at the beginning of the pandemic, we had a, a webinar on crisis ministry and how, how people um, adapt to their ministries in crisis circumstances, those kinds of things, um, responsive to the time. So the learning opportunities are all webinar-based, and they generally we try to have three to six of those a year, an average of four, and those are all uh, free, and we post them online afterwards because we know that people's schedules are complex, and so we have a library in all of the prior Anything that has evergreen content that's still relevant after the webinar is done, we post online and people can now access that in our library on the UMA website. That's great. So, oh, that's fantastic because I've I've seen some of these, uh, some of the the titles, and I always I keep encouraging we push it out to our students and encourage folks to go to them because the all all those all of those titles are really important. And the other thing that's nice about having it online to be able to to maybe get it if you didn't see it, but sometimes you, you, you engage in it at the time and you can take notes, but sometimes you just need to hear it another time or you need to watch the slides or you need to engage with it a couple more times, or maybe you've taken a class or something happens in an internship and you go, oh, wait a second, I think I learned about that. And you can deepen by being able to go back and, and engage that material again. So that's great that that's available. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the three basic things that the Minister of Formation Network offers. And cool. again, the, the, the people can stay in the network from aspirant status to preliminary fellowship. And I underscore that because there are sometimes people who are invited to return to see the Ministerial Fellowship Committee for a second time. And I think that can be a really critical time to have rich support resourcing for what formation means now, having received some feedback that there's some more work to do and people can stay in the Minister of Formation Network and look to the MFM for that kind of support in that time. That's great because that sometimes happens, it, it often happens after seminary. So there can be a gap in kind of the natural support systems that had been available for certain periods of time. So that's that's really fantastic um, to, to have that. So. That's great. So you mentioned you mentioned the website uh, and and other uh, pieces of this. Can you give a little bit on that? I'm going to assume that some of these things are for, are going to be on the UUMA website, which is UUMA.org. That's correct. Yeah, I'm going to guess that some of this is going to be you're going to have to be a member to be able to get to many of these pieces, right? That's right. And I want to say that um, some people I've heard think that they can't afford to be a member of ah. the UMA, which is required in order to access. You have to be a member of the UMA to access the Minister of Formation Network. And I want to be clear that we have a commitment that finances will never be a barrier to being a member of the UMA. So we have a whole range of ways that people can request waivers or um, 
uh, other kinds of financial supports to make it possible. So yeah. that's all on our website yeah. as well. And if if people don't see what they need there, then we ask them to call us and we'll work with people to make sure yeah. that they can join. And I can I can testify to that. I have witnessed that happening, uh, encourage people to do the same, have have uh, have witnessed that many times. That is not that's not just uh, language uh, from a director of the organization. That is true. That is a- absolutely a commitment uh, that that they that they hold up their end of the bargain on. So uh, if folks are concerned about about finances, it, it doesn't take much. A couple of phone calls, email piece, and and the goal around this, especially within formation, is to get the support that you need to be able to do the work you need to do to become the best minister that you can be. Exactly, exactly. And I, I, I just, I, I, the other thing I want to say is that sometimes I hear from people that finances are a barrier. The other thing that I hear from people is that time is a barrier. And I understand that. I really do. I have two kids and a you know, a full-time job and life is complex. And I know that it's um, exponentially complex for people who are trying to do school on top of all the other commitments that they might have with family and work and other parts of life. So I get that time is a, a real factor. And I also think that if people make a commitment, even if they can't do all the stuff, even if they can't come to a retreat or they can't do the webinars, if they can make a commitment to at least give themselves the gift of some support. It's an hour a month. And it, I, I just think that that time, it's hard to quantify how valuable it is because it provides the kind of resourcing and support that might help people manage the overwhelm mm-hmm. of that incredibly complex and trying time that is formation. Yeah, well, and I think, and doing that, making that commitment, again, even if it's one hour a month, making that commitment how how we are engaging those practices during formation and we're let me just also say we are all my belief is we are all always in formation right as a minister i've been doing this i hit my 20th year of ordination uh being in ordained ministry this last summer and i'm still in formation because things are changing and i'm into process theology which means i'm changing as things are changing and i'm growing and all that at any rate this particular process of the initial stages of formation into in terms of Unitarian Universalist ministry, how we practice things like self-care, community care, collegial connections during that time is likely how we're going to do it later. So to practice, yeah, to practice it now, I I was saying that I say that always in in one of my classes, right? How how you what you do in seminary is how you're going to do it out there, most likely, most likely. And so get some of those good habits happening here. Uh, one, one of my students uh, who's an athlete said, how you practice is how you're going to play. And I thought, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly right, right? Like h- how you practice is how you're going to play. So mm-hmm. being able to make that commitment to yourself, like you said, it pays dividends. Again, I've, I can testify to that from my own experience, but also witnessing that in colleague after colleague after colleague, what, what this um, wonderful yeah. network is. That's that's true, not only in terms of the practice of ministry, but I think it's also true with the ongoing practice of discernment. It's interesting because I had someone told me a few years ago that they didn't need to be part of the MFN because they already knew what ministry they were called to. Well, that's I mean, I think it's great that someone knows what ministry that they're called to information. But the thing that I have come to believe is 
that discernment never ends, just like formation never ends, discernment never ends. And, you know, the, the times when we change or our life circumstances change or the ministry contract changes or the world changes and we discern that our call is shifting are really critical times that it's important to be in the context of supportive collegial community because those are, it's hard. I mean, I feel this personally. It's so hard to know. And it's hard to be the only one who's judging. Like, is my call ending here? Mm-hmm. How do I know if it's ending here? How do I know if it's time to take a new call? Right. Like having other people to be in that conversation with is, is invaluable. And so I think practicing, even if you know where you're aiming in terms of ministry, practicing being in discernment about how you're going to practice that ministry, how mm-hmm. your family life is been in, how you're going to um, balance self-care with ministry, how you're going to do all those things. Yeah. Those are discernment conversations that I think um, we all do well to have partners when we're undertaking. I like that. Thank you for that. Adding that 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 nuance of language around this that that formation is a piece of it, and this discernment is those those are are connected. Those go, uh, those are those are companions in this ongoing work of ministry that is a uh, a lifelong endeavor, or at least a career long endeavor, depending on how <laughs> depending on how things uh, how things play out. So, thank yeah. you, thank you. All My right. Pleasure. Are there any other pieces that we want to bring into this initial conversation? Like I said, we will have more. Uh, anything else that we have uh, that we you want to make sure we've got the website uuma.org for and that is the uh, for the UU Ministers Association org. I think the only other thing I'd say is that I encourage people to feel like they don't have to be limited to looking at a website listening to a podcast, like we're really happy to receive phone calls. If people aren't sure how they want to connect in, they're not sure if they want to go to this or that retreat, Hmm. just call us. We're really happy to talk. And so um, we'd love to hear from you. That's great. You know what? That's a really good, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of foot stomp that because I think especially new folks can get real intimidated by well, Reverend Melissa Carvel-Zieber, I don't know. I don't know if I could talk to her. She's, you know, faces on the email that I get every month. That seems pretty intimidating. <laughs> you know, Jeanette, I don't know. Derek, this seems really overwhelming. There are these, they, they run this big organization. I don't think, I don't think I could make that call. Wow. If that's a concern of yours, let me, let me, you know, quell those concerns. Making a phone call to these folks, you're not going to find friendlier, more attentive, gracious, caring colleagues who also have boundaries. And if this isn't the time they can talk to you, they will say, hey, I can't talk right now, but let's set up an appointment over here or let's take care of this. They do great modeling of that. And they are just such, so the hospitality from the, the staff of the UUMA is incredible. So please, you heard it from her, from Melissa herself, make the phone call. She's serious. <laughs> I'm serious. And thank you so much for underscoring that and for your kind words. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate this conversation. The Ministerial Formation Network is an unbelievably rich and and amazing resource. I'm so glad we have it as uh, Unitarian Universalist ministers and for the uh, the association and you know for for the ministry writ large. It's a it's a wonderful thing. Uh, I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening. Many Windows, Conversations on Ministry, is a production of Meadville Lombard Theological School. Theme music is Destination by Justhea. 
This episode is produced by Julie Taylor, and as always, a special thank you to Tomo Hillbow.